Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken and I'm your host today. Deborah's out and about doing great good in the world. We are so excited. I have two guests today. Of course, Marilyn Boucher is here. She's my sister and helps me with um, Run Mountain Mamas. She's originally born in West Valley with me and um, has a husband and two beautiful children. And then I also have Erica Splatstoser who is here. Um, do you want to say hi? I should ask. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, Erica's here as well. She is um, has been married to her husband Daniel for 20 years and has three sweet boys and they both live in Springville. And Erica's currently working as an administrative assistant for the Achieve More Retirement Company. And they're going to be speaking with us today on um, it's a humanitarian trip with an organization called Spark of Hope. And yeah, so we're excited. We'll be sharing some of that with you. Um, just some fun facts about these incredible women. Erica, I want to share. Uh, she had mentioned that she had graduated from BYU at the age of 20. What was that like? <laughs> Uh, I, there was this boy that I wanted to marry and move on to, with life with, so I just uh, sped up my education as much as possible because he had a year more on me. Mm-hmm. So I went to spring, summer, spring, summer to make sure that I <laughs> went to school year-round so that I could graduate at the same time as him. That, that was <laughs> basically the, the motivation there. <laughs> that is incredible. That's incredible. I feel like most 20-somethings are like... All right, world, now what am I going to do? I just didn't want him to graduate and feel like we couldn't go on to the next step because I wasn't done, and I wanted to graduate more than anything. Yeah. So so I just, you know, the, the government had given us a full Pell Grant because we got married and we were poor, and I was like, well, since I have the money, I might as well just put in the effort and the time and graduate as quickly as possible. So, you know, I graduated together even though he's a couple years older than me. <laughs> nice. That is some serious hard work. Oh, And what was the degree in? Linguistics. Linguistics. Oh, yes. And we featured your many, all your speech abilities in our (laughs) past episodes. So, oh, awesome. Awesome. And then Marilyn, I wanted to share, um, she has many interesting and fun facts. The one that um, um, she thought she would share with you today is um, skydiving. She's been skydiving almost four times. (laughs) Her fourth time is coming up here shortly. Um, I just have to say, um, the first time we went was in a little town called Tooele, and Marilyn got me out of our family reunion to go skydiving, which is my first time, too. So, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we both did the plunge together for our first time. It was fantastic, and I can't wait to go in two weeks. Again, over I'm going to go with some gals in Mountain Mamas over Moab, which is my favorite place to skydive because the views cannot be beat. Oh, my gosh. Moab, Utah is amazing for skydiving. Cool. Well, we're so excited to have you here. Um, This is an empowerment episode because we wanted to feature this organization, sparkofhopefoundation.org, because this organization has done a lot of good. And you guys just recently did the trip to Mexico in December. Is that Um, right? Just this year. Yeah. So end of December into January. December 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Marilyn, tell me some of your thoughts and going into this. So... If you know me or you know, check out podcast from Mountain Mama's Misadventure episode four because (laughs) si se puede, we can do it. Back in college, I started a nonprofit for Mexico where um, 
SUU students would go down and build uh, different things for Boys and Girls Club, and that was a magnifying, life-changing experience for me. And I have been searching for something for that. I feel like, like a lot of moms, something uh, for their children to experience, to broaden their horizons and open up their minds and see the many blessings that, that we have, but also um, have compassion for local children. Um, so I've looked for that for years, and this was just such a highlight being able to of my kids' lives, being able to go on this trip. Um, that I have longed, this experience I've longed for them to have for 20 years to take my own family. And I found out about this incredible organization um, from my friend Erica. Ah, and how did you find out about it, Erica? So I had actually been listening to this podcast. Um, It was from a dad talking about raising his sons into men. And one of the things that he liked to do was to take his children to some sort of foreign country where there was a lot of poverty and they would do some service there. So I, you know, I was inspired by that, but he was taking his kids to India and I couldn't afford that. (laughs) So right after I told my husband about this podcast, he came home and he was telling me about his boss, Brad, and how he had this Spark of Hope Foundation, how they went down to Mexico and they built houses and how they did these trips, you know, with 12, ages 12 and up, or sometimes they do it with eight and up, depending on those were the family trips, you know. So there was like father-son trips, there were youth trips, there were all sorts of trips. And by the time he was done talking about it, I was waiting for my husband to say, and I should take my boy, you know, (laughs) like that. But that didn't happen. Instead, I I said, so so where's the and? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, aren't you going to go? Isn't this exactly what I was talking about from this podcast that I had listened to? And and he was like, well, I I guess I am going to (laughs) go. So he actually ended up arranging it and taking our oldest, Aiden, who was um, 13 at the time. Um, all of my boys have been in dual immersion, so it just seemed like a great opportunity to go down to Tijuana, Mexico and help build a house and use their Spanish and have this great father-son experience um, that, 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 we had, that I had heard about in this podcast where one of the things they did was to help the boys grow into men by having a father-son trip that was meaningful. And so I wanted that for my boys. So they went, and then a couple of years later was always the idea that he would take a different boy every couple of years. Um, but so when did, COVID, he, when did he go that first time? What year was that? So 2018. Um, so yeah, I just, I always thought it would be a father son trip, but I wanted to go eventually. And thanks to COVID, it was easier to have families together in their own specific groups, you know, separate us that way. If they did like father son, it would be harder with the, with the rooms and everything to keep people mm. separate and all that kind of stuff. So they were only doing families, um, at the end of 2021. So, um, so yeah, when Marilyn said, like, when I told her all about it and she said she was going, I was like, well, I had, my whole family should go too. There's no reason my middle <laughs> boy should miss out on this opportunity just because it's not a father-son trip that I was thinking it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, How long have they been doing it? Um, I want to say early 2000s, but I'm not entirely sure. I know wow. that it's on their website. 21 years. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, and so he's gone down like once or twice. A, you know, he goes. Oh, no, a, like six to eight times a year is, okay. is kind of like what it was. COVID slowed things down, obviously, but um, but yeah, he would pretty much spend all of his extra money going down to Tijuana. Um, so he's going down to the off. same community six to plus times a year. Mm-hmm. And is he working with an organization down there or how does or the local government? Or? So he started the organization and he does have locals down there that are part of the organization as well. They work with uh, this uh, this ward in 
LDS ward. Mm-hmm. Like a congregation um, down yeah, in Mexico. Yeah, and that's, that's how they find the houses that they're going to build and everything is because they know their community and they know where the needs are. And so they would actually find the homes that they would need to build for which families and, and get their information through them. Uh-huh. Um, but the foundation down there is run by people who live there. That is awesome. And so mostly the, the foundation is focused on building homes for the just the families that are at, most at risk. Yes, but they also have their connection to a specific orphanage that they take care of. Um, and then they have bigger plans that they hope to hope to go into someday. Don't we all? That's so cool. <laughs> yes, we'll talk about some of that as well. Excellent, excellent. So... Here I am with this proposal of myself and my kids who, you know, we've, we've, let's be honest, we got no skills. <laughs> and here we are, build a house in three days. And it is a world where everything is possible. In Tijuana, Mexico, <laughs> um, we went over our, our winter break and that was a family trip. There were families with children, they recommend eight and older. So very accessible for a lot of families. Um, now, I grew up, I don't know if a lot of people did, but I am no Ty Pennington, um, but I absolutely experienced my own Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Ah, okay. <laughs> I remember watching that show on Sunday nights. I love that show. <laughs> um, and here we are in our own Extreme Maker Home Edition. Um, it was a world where children could do and build anything. We, yes, there were some um, professional contractors there, but they were there to support, educate, and build children. And so our kids learned how to build a house, like how to, how to actually structurally do things in just a handful of days. And the adults were there being so supportive. Um, it, was, it was a world where a family who had shared one mattress um, or slept in a broken down Jeep that was just outside now had their own beds and rooms Um, It was a world where the clouds literally parted for us to be able to accomplish the project. Um, And it was a world uh, where (laughs) we had two little girls um, that were being supported by this project and they had a little dog and and we were painting things blue and even dogs were blue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was fabulous the way that they select the families. This man, Brad Christensen, who who has this rapport um, in, this, in this neck of Tijuana in the, in the largest need area. He is what I would call a Santa Claus because a Santa Claus, ha- he has a certain suit and he has a certain aura about him and that is Brad Christensen. Um, I'd never met him before, but he, down in Mexico, he had his own suit. He wore a white shirt with white coveralls, white overalls, and a white hat that was so demolished and had so many holes in it, you knew there was a story there and he wasn't letting go of that hat. He was a man of large stature, and when he would walk around town, people would just flock to him, come to him. Um, They knew who he was, and you would think, I would think most people would be barraged by (laughs) lots of people coming and approaching him and asking him for things. And he wasn't. He was very much focused on the one and made eye contact and made note. You ask about how these people are selected that, that get help. There's definitely a waiting list, but he works directly with some of the local clergy or you know bishops in, in two of the wards that have some of the most need. He speaks with those people and specifically um, like a lead female or a Relief Society president who knows 
the families and she says these are the people that are in you know dire straits and please turn your head to them and let's focus on them so we so we helped this family um, this father and mother that had three daughters and one of the daughters was 16 and she was married and so here we, we could build this facility. And then we ourselves, I get asked a lot about safety. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about safety in Tijuana because that's a real deal. You think about taking your children, your family there. So there is a facility there that we went to and stayed at. I was really impressed with how this all went down. Eric and I both drove our own vehicles from Utah down to Tijuana and we parked our own we vehicles. We caravanned in yes. with Brad Christensen <laughs> and them so that we were all together and we waited on for on the other side of the the border, you know, make sure everybody got through and there weren't any problems. Um, they took care of us the whole time. They watched us the entire time. <laughs> How was it crossing the border in Tijuana? I felt like it was it was kind of fun and easy. <laughs> it, it was pretty simple, but Brad did line out that there are four or five different ways that you could be stopped and what each one would entail and whether or not they would scan your vehicle or whatever. But um, he just he talked us through all of that and assured us that he would be there on the other side to help talk to any authorities if we needed to. And, and we, we went through without a hitch. I think one group got stopped very briefly and that was it. But there were like, what, five, six vans that kind of went through. And mm-hmm. they were obviously more interested in the big vans. Yeah. <laughs> than the vehicles. And probably his vehicle, too, because he probably brings down lots of he construction materials. Yeah. That so. was the only one that was stopped, and they were just looking at the stuff. And he said, we're, yeah, we're building a house. And they got to go straight through. Nice. So that, and then the compound itself, I felt very safe in. Our cars were, lo- there are two floors to this large compound. The bottom floor is big enough for all of our vehicles to park in and lock up securely. Nice. So we just went straight from the border and put our car straight into that, and that was that. And then we drove with other people to the work site. Mm -hmm. So I felt great about my vehicle. Mm -hmm. And then we and our families each had upstairs, each had our own family room to stay in um, with bunk beds and everything. And again, the whole facility was locked up and secure and... Yeah, I felt great about it. We had walkie-talkies and phones as we were traveling, and we had a cool light system where we would throw on our hazards if lights if anybody came out of our parade of caravan vehicles would put on the hazards so we'd lose the other... Yeah, other in- people would drive around because they don't want to be behind yeah. you when you had your hazards on. And so nice. that kept us all together, which was a really great trick. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. And then... For safety, I, yeah, we were either on the job site, um, focused, or we were back at the, back at the secure compound that he has, which he actually rents out to doctors without borders, dentists without borders. Nice. So it's a hub in, it's a known hub in Tijuana where families and professionals go to do service. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It holds 60 people. It houses 60 people. They have bathrooms and lots of showers and they have a you know, they have a little kitchen area, but mostly there's a family mm-hmm. next door that makes all the food so that all the food is prepared safely and comes from, you know, good sources and things like that. So we just had a big eating area mostly. The The kitchen was just kind of a small space with just, just a fridge and a sink, basically, mm-hmm. um, because all of our food was being prepared by the, by the family that they employ that's basically next door, uh-huh. um, which is a family that they've also built onto their home. Um, they've actually built an upstairs for that family so that when we are working on a house for a family that doesn't have any, they have a place to stay while their house is being built. So 
Oh, that's brilliant. Um, their lives have been changed by a spark of hope moving in next door to them um, because of all of this. And so they, they give back and they are paid to prepare our food and everything while we're there. So we don't have to worry about food at all mm-hmm. while we're there the whole time. All meals. All and and nice. I kind of I dug the food setup. The way it works is they, um, Kim Christensen, the wife of the man in church here, they drive over to Costco in San Diego <laughs> and buy all the ingredients for, for all of our meals. So you got to feel good about that and feel safe about that. <laughs> and then they are, and then those meals, those like muy authentico meals are prepared by this family that lives next door. Mm-hmm. So the ingredients you feel like you can trust, they're brought across and then they make you these wonderful, you know, meals that you want to have with your family in, in Mexico to feel like you're really having that experience. And nice. breakfast, lunch, and dinner were, were all just, yeah, delicious and fabulous Mexican food. Ah. That's Lots of amazing. avocados. <laughs> <laughs> so, Erica, tell me about what did your family build when you? Because you guys did like one family did a project and another family did a project. Right. Every day he would kind of line out. Brad would line out exactly like which kind of projects we were working on today, and then he would kind of assign them to different families and things. And so, um, because Aiden had been down there before, uh, and because he's six foot five now. Um, they often had him out doing drywall, so he was often separate from us, and he was also using all the major tools because he'd been out there before, and it was really great to see my, how capable my 17-year-old was to be able to do pretty much any project that they would give him. Um, and then they, the first day they had us make the beams that would be used for building the walls of the, the addition we were putting onto this house, because they did have this basic one-room house. Um, but then they were adding on rooms to it. And then they had, my youngest boy was painting. My eight-year-old was mostly painting um, different boards and things like that. And spending a lot of time playing with the little girls while talking in Spanish, which was absolutely adorable. <laughs> That's um, wonderful. And then Jacob was kind of in between. Sometimes he'd use the tools. Sometimes he wouldn't use the tools. But we did a, we did a wall building project was our big one. They, they were receiving a lot of flooding because of the way their driveway of sorts was like leaning. And so they would get a huge flood every single time. So our job was to create this awning and this wall so that the water would slide off the awning um, past the property and hopefully go, go a different direction. Um, what was interesting though was as we built this wall for them, um, we initially took out pieces of wood that were kind of rotting and things like that and got rid of them. We threw them out in the streets, which is where everybody kind of like comes along and picks up whatever you didn't use and they put it on their house. You'll see it tacked on their house the next day. Um, the family went and saved the pieces of wood that were the best ones because we were just going to buy them new ones. Um, they went and grabbed those pieces of wood and the next day they were like, we have to save these pieces. We have to use these pieces. So the wood that we actually took off their fence, we ended up having to put back into the fence and then reinforce it because it was important to them to have those materials still on their house. Mm-hmm. So we had to reinforce the back by putting more you know, plywood and things to hold all those pieces together. But we used these, this wood, this wood that was old that we thought wasn't good, good enough um, um, and they were just like, no, we need this. And so we ended up making the fence out of that material. Oh, wow. Um, and, and my youngest did a lot of painting and my middle boy did a lot of like, you know, hammering it together and stuff. And so um, what was also kind of fun with my boys was there were like different levels of translation abilities, you know, and I only know so much Spanish. So if I really needed a translator, I'd call Aiden because he's my oldest. And if I, if I needed some words and I didn't know them, I'd ask Jacob to give me some words because he's my middle boy. And then if I, if I just needed like 
some sort of explanation as to what was just said. I just asked Luke. Oh, that's so, so like cool. between the three of them, I could always like get different levels and skills as far as you know trying to figure out what was being said and things because the families were there. Um, they were there and oftentimes working alongside us as much as possible. In fact, I worked a lot um, with the with the dad of the family that we were helping. Uh, and he didn't speak any English at all, but he was an extraordinary worker and he just he worked right alongside us. And um, we had a lot of like you know English Spanish kind of conversations as we tried to figure things out. But he was the one who made it very clear to me that we needed to keep this wood and use it back onto his home. <laughs> That is amazing. And how about you, Marilyn? What were your, what was your family? And over, this was over the process of how many days we're actually building things. So yeah, three days is, was the length of building the house. That's amazing. A house in three days. So we walk up, I feel like I want to set this scene. We walk up and it's, uh, I mean, it's a square of plywood and garbage, you know, is their, their house. I don't want to be crude or insensitive. Um, but like Erica's saying, people build their houses just off of trash that's in the street and they go and tack it on, you know, okay, this this is better than that old piece of wood or that cardboard that I've got. Now I'm going to stick this. This is better than this rotten drywall that I have. I'm going to take this piece of corrugated metal and tack it onto my house. So mom, dad, 16-year-old sister and her man... And who is the same age, 16, and then two other girls. And our understanding was they had one queen mattress that they were sleeping on. And then 16-year-old girl and her um, man, her guy, they slept in the Jeep a lot. Mm-hmm. That was just an old, that we saw that a lot, just old vehicles that were basically used as living quarters that no longer. So, so this is what we came upon was they did have a bathroom. They did have a sink with a... Like a one-room house kind of, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah exactly. One exactly. room, one bathroom, and then they had... This was the second time working on this house, so they had added a room. They, they had added, we were adding a concrete room. foundation for where the room would be. Mm-hmm. The and last time they had been down there. And now we were going to actually build and create multiple, multiple rooms for the rest of their family. Gotcha. And right. plumbing? Do they have plumbing? Or they they did have plumbing. They did. Now. Yes. They yeah. didn't before. If you looked at the pictures before, their toilet was a bucket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was in previous years and previous projects. Yeah. Even just a few months ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they do ongoing projects. So you don't have to have the pressure of we're going to build everything with plumbing and electricity in these three days. You do your your best, mm-hmm. and then another group will take on the right. project. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Dad said was that there was a part of him that worried we wouldn't come back. So when we came back, he was quite overwhelmed when he showed up at the house after working all day that we were there, oh. that we had come back. Oh, man. Yeah. So the fear of, of, okay, they laid some cement, and good job, you know, Americans, but and that was in October, but the fact that we came back in December and... And were there full plans and ready to go, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, contractors had, had decided. And each morning we would have a powwow. And it was, again, like I said, it was a world where you could build a house. <laughs> even though you didn't know what you were doing. And so in the morning it was just, okay, splats dozers, you guys are going to work on the exterior fence. Boucher is my family. You are going to build doors and windows. Great. I've never built doors and windows in a house. He, he gives you <laughs> yeah. the plans. There's the wood. Suddenly your kids are cutting wood and suddenly they're hammering and putting things together. And, and using just, power tools too. I remember yeah. you said your daughter. And it's just happening. And they're, they're <laughs> surrounded by adults who are supporting it. But it was wild how you would see a row, again, 60 people, so many families with littles. 
And you would see all of the uh, these kids, like a barn raising, go up and lift up a whole wall. And it's ten kids lifting up a whole wall. Aww. And now it's getting tacked on. And now they're, I mean, it, it was it was incredible. Um, and we 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 did. We've never built frames exactly. for doors or frames for windows. But here, the Bouchers were making it happen, and we're and and by making it happen, I mean we are on top of each other, in a tight tight corners, um, building and sawing and tacking and nailing. And you only have so uh, much time. You yeah. just have to stay focused and go. And, and you don't have any room. They have you know. It's not like people have land. You know, it's a very small area. So. So we were just amidst the weeds and ice plants, um, you know, hammering things together mm-hmm. on the dirt, you know, ground and just making it happen. And, and then, for me, I was avoiding one of their dogs that they had tied up that they were like, by the way, he bites. And so I kept having <laughs> to put like the plywood between me and the dog because the fence is here and the dog is under the car and there's nowhere for me to get away from that dog except for a couple pieces of plywood and an angry dog <laughs> while I peeled the fence. <laughs> The dog was chained, but we were, like, we were concerned. So and they kept away. telling me, he bites. Like, stay away from him, he bites. <laughs> and you guys were on the same house, working on yes, this. Like, all yes. the families were working on Everybody. one project. Okay. Correct. I just want to clarify. And then the family and the girls and the mom were were side by side. They were right with us. We mm-hmm. were painting together. We even repainted and did some woodwork on um, the next door neighbor's house as well. And, and we were all, all these women were side by side painting and redoing her home too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was beautiful to work with the children and my little Lily, she and these girls who were just a little bit younger than her. Did they just became fast friends? Aww. How old and is they Lily? Were, um, Lily was, uh, 10 years, is 10 years old. And then mm-hmm. these girls were maybe like eight and six, uh-huh. maybe so, seven, oh, and, seven yeah. and five, maybe right around there. Five, yeah. Um, but it was just so great how language isn't a barrier and how they just are there painting and, you know, serving together. And for these girls to see, like, these things come together for them mm-hmm. um, was so beautiful. Thank you so much, Marilyn and Erica. I'm going to pause your grand adventure here because I know we have many more stories to share about this adventure. So we'll continue that next week on our part two Spark of Hope Empowerment episode. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. Um, and to hear more inspiring stories from women like these ladies, please continue to subscribe and help us empower more women to adventure. And we're so grateful that you could join us for this episode. That's it for today. Join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains. mountains. <laughs>